Go ahead and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be in the entire chapter. This is the faith chapter of Hebrews 11. Sometimes it's called the Hall of Faith. Uh, And we're going to be talking about faith. Uh, Throughout the book of Hebrews, the author has been making uh, a few points that are related. But we can sum it all up by saying that he has constantly been uh, encouraging and speaking to us. And he's just been saying, hold on. Hold on to Jesus because he is holding on to you. And don't turn your back on Jesus. And sometimes he has been really gentle, and he has made eye contact, so to speak, and you know, leaned across and gently said, Jesus sympathizes with your weaknesses, and so draw near to him. And then other times, like last week, he's been a bit more stern, and he has encouraged us to hold on by reminding us of the alternative and saying, if you turn your back on God, well, then it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God after you've turned away. So we need to hold on to him in order to continue to enjoy his promises and his benefits. Hebrews 11 is just one long series of illustrations of people who held on. The ending of chapter 10, verse uh, 39 of chapter 10 says, We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So this is an opportunity to remind us of the people who have gone before us. For us as Christians, this is an opportunity to look back into the Old Testament and to say, who are the people who trusted in God and how was God faithful to them? And so how might God be faithful to me? We're going to see that the key, the instrument to enjoying uh, all the promises of God is faith. We must have faith. It's not just faith generally. We must have faith in Jesus Christ because you can have the faith in the world, but the power and the strength of your faith is not in your faith. It's actually in Jesus. It's Jesus who gives you the strength and the endurance and the encouragement, and our faith is just how we hold on to him. So let's read Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to start in in chapter 10, verse 39, and we're going to read the whole chapter. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. And now he's going to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and then move forward. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things That are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. 
died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, then they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one, and therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. Even able to raise him from the dead, which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. They were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? Time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute and afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from them they should not be made perfect. I'm going to keep going. Just more verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. God, help us to have faith, and help us to, by faith, understand what you have said in this chapter. To be encouraged. That your spirit would speak in such a way that we would walk out of here knowing that we can endure by faith. You would be gracious 
to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You must have faith. There were a lot, I don't, by faith is mentioned here so many times. We must have faith. But if you've ever been in the conversation with somebody and you have been talking through a difficult situation, you've wondered what you needed to do, and your friend, maybe you said to your friend, well, you, just, you need to have faith, first of all. And you're like, yeah, I'm, that is the right answer. That's actually really helpful. I do need to have more faith, but I don't know what faith looks like. I don't know if you've ever thought to yourself, what does it even mean to say have faith? What does faith look like walking through an everyday life? Sure, I want to believe in Jesus, but then what does it actually look like from the day to day? Right, on the most general level, we can say faith is looking to Jesus and saying, Jesus, you are mine. Your death is mine. Your resurrection is mine. Jesus, you're mine. It's a grabbing hold and a receiving of Jesus as your Savior, of trusting him and receiving him and resting upon him. But we can get a little more specific than just that, and I think that would be a little more helpful. Uh, look in verse 1 of 11. Uh, we read that like three hours ago, so uh, you might not remember it. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen which is still a little bit abstract, but as we read through the entire chapter, the author of Hebrews is putting legs on that definition. And he's saying what faith looks like practically is having assurance of the things hoped for, looking forward. And it's a conviction of the things not seen, which could be forward, but also are the way God is working right now and what God has already done in the past. Faith has a backwards and a forwards dimension. And so if you are taking notes, what we're seeing here in Hebrews 11 is essentially this. That faith, having faith, means to look back at what God has already promised. And then through that promise, looking forward, expecting him to fulfill his promise. We're looking backwards at what God has done in his word and what he has said in his word and the promises that he's made to us. And by holding on to those things, we can look forward into whatever we're facing and stand on the promises and expect him to fulfill those promises. Every single one of the people in Hebrews 11 did what they did by faith. And if you were to look back at these chapters, you would see they had faith because God initiated. God showed up. God revealed himself. God made promises to them, usually when they were doing their own thing and not even thinking about God. We don't know what Abraham was doing when God showed up, but he was probably not worshiping Yahweh. He was probably worshiping other gods. But God showed up and made amazing promises to him to start the family and the people of God through him. God made real promises so that when they were doubting and when they were struggling, and go read your Old Testament, they did that a lot. They just had to look back. And remember, God has already made promises. The reason we have those stories is so that we can look back and remember that those promises are ours too in and through Jesus. God has made promises to you, real promises that you can hold on to when it's tough. 
But these stories also show us that they were looking forward. Noah was looking forward to things unseen, the flood that was to come. Abraham was looking forward to a city. Everyone was looking forward to something. They had an assurance of things that they were hoping for. And I want to make one small point, which is to say they had confidence in God's promises, but those promises were not always fulfilled in the ways that they wanted them to be. We're told explicitly that Abraham had to greet the fulfillment of his promises from afar. Right, The promise made to him to have as many children as the stars in heaven or the sands on the seashore. When Abraham died, he had children and he had grandchildren. But it took 400 years for the Bible to tell us that the people of God had become a multitude in Egypt. And it's taken until Christ died and resurrected from the dead and the Holy Spirit has brought Gentiles into the kingdom for him to be a father of nations. To have innumerable children, sons and daughters through faith in Christ, as many as the sands on the seashore. And today, God is continuing to fill his promise, we trust, by bringing people to himself, becoming sons and daughters of Abraham. So Abraham, when he died, had no idea this, what we're doing right now, would be the fulfillment of his promise. But he had faith that God would do what he said he would do. I don't know what you're facing this morning. But I'm sure that there's something that you're having trouble seeing through. You're not sure what's going to come. There's a problem in your life. There's crisis of some sort. Maybe it's final exam coming up in the next two weeks. Maybe whatever it is. Look back at the promises of God. Stand on them. And look forward to how God will fulfill his promises. Psalm 23 is probably uh, maybe the most well-known psalm of all time. I don't know that for sure. Go, Go back and look at Psalm 23 in your worship folder. Let's look at the promises just in one psalm that God has made to us this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's guiding us and he's protecting us and he's providing for us. One verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He takes care of us. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God will never leave you or forsake you. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, for he's the God of all comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. You might be surrounded by enemies, but God gives you his blessing so that it overflows. And surely, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever for all eternity in safety and peace and joy. That's one psalm. If you are wanting more general psalms of promise, you can go to 121. 
If you are facing medical issues, you can go to 116. If you're facing sin struggles, you can go to 53 or 32. If you just want intimacy with God, you can go to 63, 42, 43. Those are just the Psalms. Jesus says he is the good shepherd. Jesus says he is your comforter and your advocate. Jesus is your resurrection and your life. Jesus makes promises to you, and he does not fail his promises. Hold on to them. And what I do when I don't know what to do next is I take his promises in one hand and my circumstances in the other and I just look at my questions and my doubts. And they may not be settled, but if I look at God's promises, they become more powerful and more true than the things I'm afraid of. It's like a boardwalk through a swamp where if you go off into the weeds, you'll fall into quicksand and mud. But we have God's promises to stand on. Hold on to his promise. Look backwards at what he said. He will do what he said. And in what you're facing, look with expectation that he will fulfill his promises. You must have faith. Faith is how we endure. Faith is how God provides. We're going to push a little bit deeper into this chapter. And I want to talk about the strength of faith that's required. Because it's really easy to read through Hebrews 11 and to say, yeah, Abraham's faith was amazing. My faith is not amazing. Um, Moses actually talked with God face to face. I have never seen God on a mountain, ever. Um, And so what does it look like? Like, if you're struggling with your faith, can you still hold on to the promises? I think that's the question. That's the doubt. I have a lot. And here's the amazing promise of the gospel. The power of your faith is in Jesus, not in your faith. Your faith is actually given to you by God in the first place. The Holy Spirit works it into us. And as we're standing by faith... That's actually being strengthened and allows to continue because God is giving it to us. I was struck by reading through Hebrews 11 and thinking about the actual stories of these people. And um, it was really encouraging. So let me just walk you through some of these things. Uh, Let's look at Abraham. He has a lot of verses in here. We're not going to reread them. He's from... Uh, verse 8 until verse 19. Abraham, it makes sense. He's patriarch. He is the head of the family of God. It makes sense that he would be here, right? The literal paragraph after God promises to give Abraham um, a land and a place to go, uh, he winds up in Egypt and decides... Uh, for fear of his own life, to say that his wife is actually his sister instead of his wife because he was afraid of what might happen to him. Uh, When God made promises that his family would be as numerable as the stars of heaven, Abraham laughed in God's face. That sounds more like disbelief than faith. Sarah also laughed. And they're both mentioned here. Their faith is recommended and commended here, but you read through their story, and they look like they were disbelieving and doubting a lot of the time. Look at Moses. Moses murdered somebody and had to pay for his crimes with 40 years of exile. 
And when God showed up to him in the burning bush and made promises to say, Moses, I'm sending you to bring my people out of their oppression, Moses says, I don't know, I have a stutter. Which I know is a lie because I've read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He could write masterful literature, and he had spent his first 40 years of life in the very best school that the world had to offer as Pharaoh's grandson. Moses was lying to God. But God kept his promise. David is in here. We know about Bathsheba and Uriah. Gideon and Jephthah are here. I don't know the last time you read Judges, but it did, I had to work a lot to really pray through why Gideon and Jephthah made it into Hebrews 11. Gideon's entire story is about how he had weak faith. God shows up and he says, Gideon, I'm going to use you to bring my people out of their oppression. And he goes, okay, could you show me a miracle to prove it? And the angel of the Lord's like, sure. And he like burns a pot of stew so that's completely gone. Um, so first of all, he had an angel of the Lord stand in front of him. That's pretty amazing. Then he had a miracle happen. That's also pretty amazing. Then Gideon's like, okay, okay. I'm going to put like a fleece out. And you're going to put dew on everywhere except for the fleece. This is after multiple tests that he's asked of God. And God's like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to put the dew everywhere but the fleece. That should be good enough, right? Nope. What if I put the fleece out and you put the dew only on the fleece instead of... He's coming up with the most convoluted possible ways to have proof that God would do something when God had made promises to him. I don't know why Gideon would be here unless God was gracious. I'm not even going to tell you what Jephthah did because it turns my stomach so badly. Jephthah... God kept his promise. It is only because Jesus died for Abraham and Moses and Gideon and Jephthah that they have made it into Hebrews chapter 11. Because through Jesus' death and resurrection, their sins are washed away. As far as the east is from the west, so far shall your sins be from you. That's God's promise. There is not a single mention of any of the sins or faults of the people in Hebrews 11 because by faith they have been counted righteous in God's sight. This is how God sees these men and women, even though we know the story of all of their sins and failures. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is really easy to define yourself by your sins and your failures. It is really easy to hold on to them and to think that is the measure of your worth. But if God had forgotten of these people's sins and left them out because of Jesus, you are not identified by your worst failure. You are identified by the righteousness of Christ on you and the righteousness that Christ is working through you as you're sanctified. You are not your worst mistakes. You are righteous by faith so that we can sing truly, Jesus paid it all, all to him, him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. So I'll conclude where I started. God wants you to hold on, and he wants you to endure. 
Maybe not necessarily to your circumstances. Those might, he might be calling you to change. But he wants you to hold on to Jesus. And he wants you to endure in faith. And whatever you're walking through, Jesus is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Maybe you'll do great things. I would love to see it and glorify God with you. Maybe it's real suffering. Because that happens to some people here at the end as well. But hold on to Jesus. Because you must have faith. It's actually a really good thing. Because Jesus is really good. Amen. Let's pray. Spirit of God, work faith within us because apart from you, we would choose our sin. Remind us of the goodness of Jesus and his free forgiveness paid for by his blood on the cross. And Father in heaven, would you remind us that we face all things in your fatherly hands. Encourage us by our gospel. Help us to walk in faith. We pray in your name.